Hey everyone, we are back with episode four on All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment by Hannah Anderson. And we are concluding our discussion on the topic of discernment. And today we are covering the virtues of lovely and, depending on your translation, uh, commendable. Or some translations say uh, whatever is of, of good report. So, uh, so to begin with, we'll talk about whatever is lovely of, of beauty, and I think that there is that what the things that are lovely have an objective that loveliness or whatever is beautiful uh, that these things have both an objective and subjective uh, aspects to it. So. Uh, for example, I don't think anybody in the world would ever say, you know what, the Grand Canyon is hideous. Yeah, I saw that. I think it was ugly. <laughs> I don't think anybody would say that. I think everyone recognizes beauty when they see it. I think everyone recognizes the things that are lovely when they see it. In that sense, uh, beauty has an objective nature to it. At the same time, uh, not everything that I might find lovely, you might find lovely, right? So if I say, hey, man, my car is lovely. My car is beautiful. You might think, really? It's a car, dude. Or really? Your car is actually pretty ugly, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so it's both, I think. And, and loveliness, <clears throat> loveliness is... Again, we're trying to combat uh, worldliness here, and this is why discernment is necessary because how the world defines beauty is not the same way that God or the scriptures would define what is beauty. And beauty, or whatever is lovely, is it's it's not only defined by, say, as by aesthetics or by how it looks, but it's also defined by the response uh, that it elicits. So when you look at something and you admire it, when you look at something, you're captivated by it. When you look at something, when you behold something and you just can't turn away from it, you, you take out your phone and you take a bunch of pictures. When you take out a notepad and you write about it, when you look at it and it just causes you perhaps to to, to think deeply uh, that's that's something that is lovely that is something that that has a beauty and you might and in, in, in a way sometimes it gives you a feel of transcendence I think uh, to some almost like it, it, it wants to transport you to something out of this world and it's one of the reasons why I love the, the movie uh, Interstellar. And uh, I hope that you have seen it. If you haven't, do yourself a favor and go see it. It's one of my favorite movies. I've seen it numerous times and I've never get bored. And one of the things that I love about the movie, I need to just write, I need to have a podcast where I review uh, movies because <laughs> uh, anyways, I just like movies. I like reviewing movies. But anyways, uh, what I enjoy about the movie Interstellar is just seeing what I, one of the, there's a particular scene when 
when they are leaving Earth. And all you, you see is their space shuttle in the middle of space. Behind them is Earth, and they're heading towards more space. And you just get a feeling, I feel a feeling of finiteness. And to me, I feel like this, like a, a sense of transcendence, like of this otherworldness. And in a way, when, when something captures your attention in that way or makes you have that kind of feeling, it sparks that kind of reaction. I mean, that is something worth thinking about. And this is what Paul is getting at when he tells us to think about whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. I mean, whatever is beautiful. It's, it's. It's those things <clears throat> that that capture our attention, that capture our imagination, and sort of transport us into this other world beyond our own. And and the and this is where we where we have to be careful. This is actually uh, backtrack. Uh, this is. A, where I might disagree in the where the author gets that when it comes to whatever is lovely. Now she will say that uh, that the things that are lovely, the things that are are that 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 spark beauty are worth sacrificing for. So like for example, she goes to the parable of the person who 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 found the great pearl of great value like when you find something that precious and that beautiful you sacrifice everything in order to get it to acquire it well i think that is true i think we have to be careful in how we apply it because we don't always sac we, we don't always make sacrifices for things that are actually worth sacrificing for right we might sacrifice things for something that really isn't beautiful for something that we might think is lovely but when we actually think about it and apply the scriptures and apply discernment, it might actually not be that lovely or beautiful. And she takes this and also applies it to the gospel. <clears throat> and and this is kind of where I, I might disagree. And she says that, well, we see how Jesus sacrifices everything. Uh, for us because he saw loveliness in us because he saw a sense of beauty and he considered it worth sacrificing everything for sacrificing even his own life and i strongly disagree with that right the bible tells us we are dead in our trespasses and sins that are that our works even our good works are filthy rags before the lord there is nothing admirable or commendable about us there's nothing lovely about us yes we have the image of god though that image of god is defaced because of sin and when you read the gospel of john yes god so loved the world that he gave his only son but john makes uh goes to great lengths and efforts to get paint for us a vivid picture of what the world is like and the world is a place of darkness the man is full of darkness. The man hates the light and embraces the darkness and loves the darkness and is affectionate towards the darkness. Right? These are not, this is not the description of people who are lovely. And that is the scandal of the cross. That is the scandal that we read in John 3 16 that this world filled with darkness that hated God, God still loved and sent his son to die for us. Right, that is, and and that right, that's that's the gospel, 
and it is the gospel that then sort of re reshapes us or causes us to be born again to be lovely individuals who are no longer in darkness and embrace the darkness. But anyways, uh, we need to move on to the last virtue, and that is whatever is commendable. Um, and this is also where I disagree with her. She, she defines whatever is uh, commendable as those things as a speech that you that your speech is good that you speak well of others um i don't think that's actually the case i think when we consider the actual meaning of the word uh when we think about the context of the book of philippians i think whatever is commendable i think paul is speaking to uh whatever uh, having a character that is commendable having a character that is uh, of good repute, uh, having a, a character that is, uh, that, that is, that has this moral excellence that is then worthy of being honored, right? Do you have the kind of character that is commendable? Do you have the kind of character that is worth honoring? And this is why Paul in this letter commends uh, the Philippians, uh, and I think it's in part because he wants them to understand the difference between how God defines uh, commendable and how the world defines commendable. How the world confine, defines commendable is by uh, what you is about your your status. It's about your prestige. Uh, it is about about what you do. Right? We want to be commended, and so we'll go to social media and we will post all these different things so people will commend us but no the bible teaches us that whatever is com that what is commendable is having a character that is commendable right you can do a lot of stuff but be a terrible person and the and the scriptures would teach you that you're you don't have a commendable character but it doesn't matter how intelligent uh, you are or are not. It doesn't matter what you accomplish in this world. The Bible says you have a commendable character. If you have a character that is of good repute, if you have a moral excellence to your character that is worthy of being honored and even imitated. And that is what we are to pursue. We have to think about these things, about having a commendable character, about... <clears throat> about the things that are lovely uh, because uh, in our in our thinking about these things and our pursuit of these things these things change us gradually they transform us and so whatever we think about most is what we become whatever we think about most is what we become so if you are often thinking about imitating Christ thinking about Christ, thinking about the word, thinking about justice, thinking about whatever is 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 lovely, if you're thinking about truth, if you're thinking about these things that Paul tells you to think about in Philippians 4, 8, then you are going to be shaped by those things. And you will be a person of discernment. And the person who thinks about these things and is shaped by them knows how to distinguish what is good from what is bad from right from wrong but also you will know how to distinguish between what is good and what is better right by if you your emotions 
your flesh or the world might tell you, hey, this is good, right? And it might actually be a good thing. Well, you can look at it and say, actually, yeah, I think that is a good thing, but let me show you something better. <laughs> let me tell you about something better. And so we need discernment, as I kept saying before, as I've said before, we need discernment in order to combat worldliness. And we need discernment in order to help us to distinguish not just right from wrong, but to help us distinguish good from what's better and what's better from what's best. It is a life of wisdom. And so may you live a life of wisdom. May you give your thoughts to whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Give yourself to thinking about these things. And you will be shaped by them. You will be transformed them. Uh, you will embody these things and you will become a much more discerning person. So uh, we will stop there. For next month, I'm actually excited about this. We are going to read through a camaraderie of confidence. Uh, this is by John Piper. This is one of those uh, biography series. So it, it covers the biography of three individuals uh, in church history. And I can't uh, remember who uh, who these individuals are. I'm actually going to look them up right now so that I can tell you. Uh, so here it is. So this book covers the, li the lives of Charles Spurgeon, George Mueller, and Hudson Taylor. Oh man, this is going to be so good. So I hope that you will tune in with me and I will catch you uh, next time.